grind. Welcome back to the Ugly Pike Podcast on the Outdoor Journal Radio Podcast Network. If you haven't already, be sure to catch up on the incredible episode 161, where we ventured into the world of angling mastery with John Gillespie, a passionate life angler with over 1,500 shows and 30-plus years experience under his belt. And now we're back, poised, and ready for more fishing tales with this living legend. Imagine the iconic John Gillespie on the water, alongside football legend and former Super Bowl MVP Brett Favre in pursuit of, well, you're just going to have to let him tell you the story. So before we get into this, cast our lines into the depths of this episode, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Canada's only specialized pike and muskie shop, Izoko. Head over to izokofishing.com and check out all of the amazing hand-picked top quality gear they have to offer. This episode is also proudly brought to you by Angling Sports, based in London, Ontario, and serving customers throughout Canada and the northern U.S. With over 30 years of unmatched angler support, they offer top-tier fishing products catering to every skill level. Explore offerings at anglingsports.ca and gear up for an unparalleled fishing experience. Here's here's one for you guys. I don't know. Do you guys sucker fish last fall at all? We 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 sucker fished on Eagle Lake. We didn't do it last fall. We haven't been to Eagle since before uh, COVID. So, but we want to go back this year. And I got a question for you about sucker fishing. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to pull that out too. So go ahead and I'll follow up. Okay. All I'm going to tell you guys is that when we go up to we do a trip each year. Uh, the last week of October, and we started Andy Myers, and that's our sponsor trip. Uh, Julian hosts it every year. We have all of our sponsors come up, and you know they can fish for what they want, you know. And then the three days later, we go over and meet Leitner at at Lake of the Woods, and we fish there three days. Now, when I started uh, musky fishing with suckers back in the early nineties, I think they were four bucks a piece, right? So now think of this. We got eight sponsors and then we got the Leitner trip. So I just want to throw this out. What do you think that we paid for? Let's see. I think eh, about 100 suckers. 80 suckers, I think, is what we, we got last year. 1320 bucks for bait. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh. And, and, and then, then we had – and they were hard to get. So we had to have Danny's buddy up there who traps suckers for a living go make a special trip for us and and get those suckers that late in the year. I just never thought – I my wife was doing our taxes the other day. And she saw a check come through for 1320 <laughs> bucks, and I had bait written down there in the little corner of the check. But, I mean, that that is incredible, isn't it, guys? Mm, that's nuts. And we got those on a discount. I, I, I. Well, they're sucker, they're sucker fishing yeah. is so much. It's so much fun, though. I love. Yeah. I love oh. sucker fishing. You know. You know what's really sad? I'd pay two hundred for a sucker. <laughs> yeah. You know that's Probably. what's so funny about that whole deal. Yeah, yeah. 
Chris, well, go ahead, Chris. You yeah. had a question? About well, yeah, the yeah. My too? question was like, so I, I, that was one of my favorite experiences was fishing suckers for muskie. Okay. And I was watching some of your shows and, and there's a bit of a contrasting opinions here that I wanted to get some clarification on because part of the, part of the process of like when that sucker's down there and, and, and then the muskie goes for the strike and starts chewing on the sucker. The question is, when do you set the hook? Okay. And, and when I was, was when I was fishing for the, for the, the muskie with the sucker, the guy that we were with said, don't set the hook right away. Let it chomp down a bit. Let it take that sucker, go down deep, and let it get it in its belly. And then, you know, and it felt like it was a minute. It probably wasn't a minute, but you know, it, it definitely felt like an eternity. And then when he finally said, okay, yank it, and you just, you know, you go as hard as you can to the right or the opposite way and just set that hook. And that's what, and I set the hook. I ended up losing that fish. But then I listened to your show and I've heard you talk to Danny and I've heard you talk to Julian and Pete and, and they talked about setting that hook much sooner than later because the more the fish eats uh, the sucker, maybe the, the hooks move around and maybe it, it's not able to lodge in the same way. So I just wanted to know from your opinion, what like what is the right way to do this? Well, the guy you were with is 100% wrong. And... If you look at a quick strike rig, um, there's normally two trebles on each side of the sucker and a hook in the mouth of the sucker, correct? Now, when a muskie grabs a bait, he T-bones it, okay? So he, he has hooks exposed immediately. Now, the key to setting the hook on a muskie is he must be moving away, but you can set it in seconds, literally seconds and you can put pressure on these fish too to make them move away they're not going to drop that sucker like a walleye will drop a minnow once that sucker is in their mouth that is there so So john what if they're what if they're not moving away what if they just they i i have i have we have done this many times we will actually start the big engine back up on them and force them to move but you want them moving away Okay, so you can rip that rubber band or whatever your set is in the mouth out and the treble hooks lodge into the fish's mouth. Yeah. And they never swallow, ever. This is what saves fish. And uh, when I was a kid, we used a single hook. Uh, you guys aren't that old, but we just used a big single hook hooked through the mouth of the sucker. And uh, when the bobber would go down or you had a bite, the, the guy would say, hey, light a cigarette light another cigarette, light another cigarette, you know, wait 15 <laughs> minutes until that sucker is completely down in the gullet of the muskie. That kills the fish. Mm. I mean, undoubtedly. More fish died from sucker rigs in, in the 70s and the 80s. Now, with this quick strike rate, you, can, you should set the hook immediately. If that fish is moving away, set it as soon as the hit happens. But you got to make sure it's moving away. So that's the hook so, set right there. That's that's the hook yeah. set that we're talking about. This was a massive. Chris is a big guy. That was a, a, a the bendiest rod I've ever seen, and it was a major fish, and we lost it. Seriously, yeah. but yeah, did the guy have a quick strike rig on? Yeah, there? we had a quick strike rig on it. Okay, I, well, I, I tell you what, there's no two better guys, three better guys. Rob Manti's one up in Vilas County. Pete is one. Uh, Herbie is one. Herbie invented the quick strike. Yeah, he told us that story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, this has saved so many fish. And actually, you know what? You're uh, 
Pete and I actually sat down one night and kind of figured it out. We were batting about 85% on hook sets on a quick strike rate. Now, if you're using the going way back to the ancient days with the single hook, you don't know what that fish is. He could just be swimming around with it, you know, in his mouth. Yeah. You know, maybe he hasn't turned it. <laughs> when a muskie grabs a sucker for a long time, he'll swim around with it for however long. And then it'll turn it so it goes in head first into his gullet, right? So you don't know with those single hook systems. You're much better off with the quick strike rig to save the fish and your hooking percentage. So maybe to the guide's credit, maybe the situation was the muskie hadn't moved yet, and that's why he didn't want me to 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 to, to uh, set the hook. Maybe that I don't was think it. so, Chris. I, I don't no? think so because I caught a fish on. Um, on a sucker and I remember I remember him saying wait till the fish gets near the bottom I remember the rod bending I remember thinking holy shit this is taking so long yeah yeah that's what that's why I I was confused when I listened to John I was like everything he was saying it makes sense too because there's less risk on the fish that's ultimately what we're doing here you know guys I've seen hundreds of muskies caught on quick strike rigs never have I seen one swallow that is what is so cool yeah I mean, normally they're hooked right in the corner of the lip, you know, and they release easy. But you can do a lot, Chris, to make these fish move. I mean, I, like I said, we've started up the big motor. If it's on a bobber, you know, 50 feet behind the boat, get right over on top of the fish and actually put significant pressure on that fish to make a move. Yeah. They're not going to drop. It. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're going to hold on to that tight. I've heard of guys, and I've seen it myself, catch a muskie on a quick strike rig with fish he isn't even hooked. He's just holding on to that bait. That's how much they want it. That's what They won't let go. Well, I have to say it is a very unique way and an exciting way to catch muskie. You, know, you have the casting and you have the trolling, and this is kind of like another little – niche market for catching muskie and it's it's really interesting and it's it's like just grabbing those suckers and you look at them you're like when you're a kid this is a fish like this is a good size fish to catch when you're a little kid yeah. right like this is a 14 inch fish and you're like wow look at this this is my bait so yeah. and one, one thing that's so much fun too about the sucker fishing and I, if you want to hear about uh these live camera deals they're not good for this but What's so fun about sucker fishing on your 2D locator, you know, the, the old-fashioned just seeing it, is you, you can position your sucker under the boat where you can see that muskie following. And it is so cool. The only reason I say that about these new live cameras is they scare the fish. Mm-hmm. They really do. The, the Whatever uh, electronic bounce yeah. is going out there, uh, Danny, Steve, if they're using that, they'll actually turn that off if they see a fish under there because we've seen it so many times especially in the last year where the muskie will follow follow and leave yeah but if you just got the 2d sonar on man oh boy isn't that weird yeah we've been hearing that more and more from the guests we're talking to and it's it's definitely something that i think the listeners should take note um i, I really love the part of like uh, when I when I caught my fish, I, I didn't catch a muskie on Eagle Lake. Uh, that that photo, John, was from Eagle Lake. Um, I, I caught a giant northern uh, sucker fishing, but it was still it was still really cool because like I brought the fish in, I could see it following my bait, and then it just as soon as I saw the sucker, it turned. It didn't give a shit about my bait, and it yeah. it just turned right to the sucker. 
And then, of course, the rod just started going, and it just took. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't know what it was. It was a very – it was a mid-40s. It was a giant, giant northern. But uh, we didn't know what it was just kind of – because the water there is, you know, murky and, and stuff like that. But it was really cool to see a fish come in and then – Oh my God, I think that fish just, you know, we lost that fish or it's gone. And then literally two seconds later, the, 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 the sucker rod just starts bending and you're like, oh, that, I, you know, that, that, that is one of the most fun things. And, yeah. and, you know, I am getting a little older. I can't stand up there and cast 14 hours anymore like I used to. So I, sucker fishing is something I really, really love, but it is so neat to see. And that's why Pete and Herbie and these guys, they always want one guy casting in the boat when you're sucker fishing. Because you're going to bring those fish in. And like you just described, it is amazing how many you can have that fish go around on a figure eight two or three times, doesn't hit, and 10 seconds later he hits the sucker. It, it's really a, a, an effective way to bring in fish when you're sucker fishing. But you're kind of limited to to late late September, right? In, into the, into the fall when we can really start using the suckers. Well, we, I'd use suckers all year, except they don't stay alive. Uh, the problem that you have is water temperature, and once that water temperature gets around sixty degrees whether it's September or October, depending on the year, uh, go ahead and use them, you know? And, and, you know, there was a number of years Pete and I were using them in June too, when we'd have a cool spring and catch fish. Um, you're just limited basically on trying to keep your bait lively. And that's why you don't use a lot of live bait in the summer. Mm, that makes sense. Nice. So uh, where do we go from here? I, I had uh, I had one question I thought was important to discuss still about your show, Frank, or do you, uh, John? But Frank, if you wanted to go somewhere else, uh... um, I we're, we're running out of time. First of all, we don't want to take too much of John's time. We want to hear about a fish story from him. So maybe we yeah. should choose one one thing and, and ask uh, a final question before we get to the fish story. So uh, what, what do you got in mind, Chris? Well, I got okay. I got I just got one thing, which I think it's, it's there's a lot of value here for the listeners okay. because. Perfect. Because when you shoot, you know, inevitably you shoot all of these uh, sh- shows, you, ha- you have amiss- amazing fishing locations, amazing spots, amazing places to, to catch fish. So, you know, uh, managing that environmental impact and, 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 and managing the, the protection of those fisheries is, is obviously something very dear to you. OK. And, and how you manage that. It, it, with the audience, I think is, is, is really smart. So if I correct me if I'm wrong, but you navigate like this balance by um, you, you, you will disclose locations that are able to handle uh, a significant amount of fishing pressure, but anything that it, it can't handle that you safeguard and you don't re- reveal those locations that are a bit more delicate, delicate or vulnerable. So that's a way of you protecting those from potential environmental you know, problems or not problems, but like pressure, unnecessary pressure. Mm-hmm. So is that correct? Like you have a strategy in terms of protecting uh, the more uh, delicate areas and things that aren't or can handle the pressure than you, you re- because you have so many spots. And I'm sure if I ask you today, where can I catch crappy on these waters? You, if you could tell me, pinpoint me to the best locations because you fished it probably thousands of times. So I'm just wondering how you how you manage that with your show. That's that's really a good question. And over the years, we've gotten a lot of flack uh, from our viewers uh, about protecting resources. I kind of look at it this way. If I'm going to fish Lake Erie, for example, 
who cares if I'm going to give the location, right? That can take 10,000 boats a day. If I'm going to fish the Bay of Green Bay, if I'm going to fish a large body of water like Lake Winnebago or Mille Lacs or Leech uh, or Eagle Lake up in Canada, I have no problem with that. Uh, but when it comes to 250-acre lakes or 300-acre lakes, I mean, our, our show will put 500 boats on a spot the next weekend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I've got to be really careful about these smaller lakes. And we kind of do the show. We'll name the county and we'll say to the viewers, okay, uh, these are the techniques that we're going to use to attack bass on these smaller lakes. Uh, we're going to do more of a technique show, more of a how-to show. But, yeah, I can't – if I put 30 boats on a 250-acre lake, I mean, how long do you think that would take that lake to be destroyed? Mm-hmm. So we're very cognitive about uh, about naming the lakes. We'll name the county, and, you know, the guy can – we have people that freeze-frame our shows to try and figure out the shore backgrounds and figure out where we are a lot of the times. So we got to be really careful. And, you know, it's like – it's like basin fishing for panfish nowadays with all the electronics we have. You got a 500 acre lake and all your crappies and bluegills are suspended in the middle of the lake. Now, nobody ever really tried for those, but now with the live and everything else, that lake can be destroyed in one winter because everybody can see and learn how to do without any knowledge. So we got to be, that's exactly our, our deal, Chris. If I think the fishery can handle it, we'll name it. Nice. That's great. I wanted to. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. So, do you know the name of Canada's one and only specialized pike and muskie shop? It's Izoko, and it's an Isox Angler's Paradise, offering the very best in hand-picked, top-quality gear, from bait casting to fly fishing, and even specialized Scandinavian tackle. Izoko's staff will provide expert advice and top-quality service. But Izoko's more than just a store. It's a community of passionate anglers that make up the Izoko tribe, and they're always ready to share tips, swap stories. So head over to their shop in person or online at izokofishing.com and let Izoko turn those fishing trips into epic stories. Hi everybody, I'm Angelo Viola. And I'm Pete Bowman. Now you might know us as the hosts of Canada's favorite fishing show, but now we're hosting a podcast. That's right. Every Thursday, Ange and I will be right here in your ears, bringing you a brand new episode of Outdoor Journal Radio. Hmm. Now what are we going to talk about for two hours every week? Well, you know there's going to be a lot of fishing. I knew exactly where those fish were going to be and how to catch them, and they were easy to catch. Yeah, but it's not just a fishing show. We're going to be talking to people from all facets of the outdoors. From athletes. All the other guys would go golfing. Me and Garth and Turk and all the Russians would go fishing. To scientists. But now that we're reforesting and letting things free, it's the perfect transmission environment for Lyme disease. To chefs. If any game isn't cooked properly, marinated, or you will taste it. And whoever else will pick up the phone. Wherever you are, Outdoor Journal Radio seeks to answer the questions and tell the stories of all those who enjoy being outside. Find us on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. No matter what species you love to target, from boot to headlamp, Angling Sports has what you need. Their store is massive, and it's just loaded with equipment and apparel. So if you love to go after those big toothy critters like we do, it's a one-stop shop for all pike and musky tackle. Whether you're looking for trolling rods or casting reels, Angling Sports is always adding the latest and best industry offerings from entry level to higher end. Looking for custom musky baits? They got them. It's worth the drive to London, so check out their amazing store in person or online by visiting anglingsports.ca and net that PB in style. Um, any other questions about the show, Frank, or do you have something else you want to? I, I just before we get into the fish story, I just want to take your assessment of fishing in Canada versus fishing in the United States. Like uh, Chris and I don't do a lot of fishing in the United States, so we're really curious about it. We we know we have tons of listeners. We're thankful for the American listeners. Um, is it just a crowd thing that that separates the two? Like, it, what what is the the essence of each? American versus Canadian like fishing for you when it comes to muskie? I, uh, when it comes to muskie, well, I, first of all, I'm going to just answer that in an all species way. Because okay, sure. uh, when I was a kid and my dad used to take me to Canada, you'd, you'd bring back a plane full of fish. I mean, you know, there was no possession limits in those days. I mean, you could bring back freezers full of fish. Kudos to the Canadian government and the ministry. Uh, for t- tightening up regulations and 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 conserving their fisheries, uh, they have done such a great job. Uh, and you know, you got us. The guys going up to Canada for the sport, not the freezer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way I look at at us going up to Canada. We're going up there for a great fishing experience, and the ministry has conserved that. I mean, what I don't even think about bringing fish back when I go to Canada. You know, it, it's I'm going to go there and I'm going to catch 50 walleyes a day or get five muskies uh, in a week or whatever because of the job Canada has done uh, preserving their resources. We're we're further behind on that in the states. Um, I mean, I I really don't like the rules in Wisconsin here where a guy can go out and keep 25 panfish a day. And, you know, there's so many guys that are going out there and doing that and filling their freezers, even though that's against the law. But we've got to become tighter on our restrictions. And I am so proud to go to Canada and have the fishing experiences that I have. And you guys got pressure up there. Eagle Lake has a lot of fishing sure pressure. Does, yeah. But there's more walleyes in there now than there was 40 years ago. I mean, they've done that survey. And that'll tell you right there that it's rules and regulations and conserving the fishery and having people come up there for the sport, not the freezer. Cool. Well said. I, I'll never forget the first time I was walleye, walleye fishing on Eagle Lake and you're watching your graph. And I, just on the Andy Myers, I was using the rental boats, right? So no frills, yeah. right? You know, and then I, I'm looking at my, you know, two color graph and all of a sudden I see black, black. Uh, and uh, then the almost the entire graph is black, and I'm like, the graph's broken. And buddy in the boat says, "Those are walleye." Yeah. 
freaking 10 yeah. foot, 12 foot walleye stack. Holy yeah. shit. And, and so, well, so when you say, John, you know, 50 walleye a day, that's a slow day on Eagle Lake. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, you guys have really done a great job with your fisheries up there. And it's not just Eagle Lake. I mean, you got Lock Sewell, you've got Lake of the Woods. I can go on yeah. and on yeah. about the great fisheries that you guys have up there. And, and again, these fisheries get pressure, but they continue to be good. That's really cool. I think for muskies, the 54-inch uh, keeper limit is an important rule, too. And uh, we've we've almost got that across the board. So uh, Awesome. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, uh, we clubbed every fish we caught. I mean, you know, uh, if it was 30 inches, that was the size limit in Wisconsin and Minnesota. And we, we'd gaff them and club them, man. My, my aunt used to say, you can't eat muskies if you don't catch muskies. So well, that's what we did, man. And no, the size limits have been so incredible. Yeah. And how often do you see a 54-incher, you know? I did catch a 56-and-a-half, though, once. Wow. In yeah. Montreal with Mark Thorpe. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. What time of year? Um, that one was in August. Okay. Was that on the and show? Oh, yeah, you can go back. I think that's on. Yeah, that's on YouTube somewhere. So, oh, I, I know we don't have time, but that Montreal fishing, when we started going out there on the St. Lawrence Seaway, it, it, it was just incredible. We had we had two days where Pete, Mark, and I had 17 muskies in the boat, none smaller than 44 up to 52, uh. and that was casting. Uh, I, I, I hear often about the glory days of the St. Lawrence River. Oh, unbelievable, you guys. I mean, uh, and it was, we basically fished a one-mile weed line the whole day, back and forth, back and <laughs> forth. And that's not counting the hits we missed. Uh, oh, my God. I know. It was it was insane. That fishery has taken a beating. It. I mean, yes. look, it still produces some of the most beautiful muskies, especially late fall. It is a wonderland. But you gotta work hard for them now. Not in those days, man. No, I know. It was so funny. First year we went out there with Mark Thorpe. He was trolling all the time, and uh, Pete taught him how to cast and you know cast for muskies. And man, did we have a blast the next five years! Holy moly, oh. just giant fish. Yeah, it's a hell of a place. All right, Chris, are, are you are you ready for the fish story? Or you got any more for John? Well, what, yeah, I think – I mean, I have an ending uh, – a closing question, which I think um, I think John will appreciate. So, uh, okay, so through, throughout this kind of extensive career you've had in fishing, you've obviously had the opportunity to fish um, along various individuals and so many amazing experiences. Like we could probably sit with you for – 20 hours and a bunch of beers and we'd be laughing and I think we would hear some amazing stories. Um, but I, I'm curious if there's that one elusive guest that you've kind of like been trying to fish with your whole life and it's never happened or some dream guest that you've, you've always wanted that you never got on your boat. I'm just curious if you could share with us that, that guest that you, you're waiting for and it hasn't happened. Uh, not really. You know, the, the beauty of what I do is I choose who to fish with and when I fish. Nice. And uh, I, I really, the guys that I fish with every week, 
I choose when and where, and that's the beauty of what I do. No, I fish with my best buddies. So I, I really don't have that that desire, that dream. Uh, I'm happy. John, you can say Chris and Frank. You can say. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, you, you know that, guys. Seriously, <laughs> we, we got to arrange to be up on Lake of the Woods or Eagle Lake. Today. Yeah. That would be a lot. There you go. You know, that really would be. So when you, you were, guys have the same, it, same attitude. When you were in those early days and you were you were making ends meet by doing the uh, the interviews with some of the sports stars, did you ever hop in a boat with one of them and convince them to go musky fishing with you? Well, that's my fish story that I'm going oh, to Okay, let's go. Wow, let's go. what a segue. There you go. Uh, yeah, that really was smooth, Chris. <laughs> um, no, this is actually a good story, and, it, and it's really not about a big fish, okay? But it is about a musky, okay? So... This uh, is 1996, and the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl. And Brett Favre is named the most valuable player in the Super Bowl, right? So I am sponsored by Repel Insect Repellent. It was a brand, popular brand back in those days. And so was Brett Favre. And the company gave Brett Favre for the sponsorship – $175,000. And all Favre had to do was wear the rappel hat when he did the interview after they won the Super Bowl and make two appearances. He had to make two appearances for the rappel company at that time. So the rappel company chose one of the appearances was to be on my show. Cool. And I'm pretty excited, you know. Yeah. I've been a sports fan all my life and, 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 and a Packer fan all my life. So we arrange a trip to northern Wisconsin, right, on a private lake owned by a bunch of rich Republicans. I mean, they own this 700-acre lake up there in northern Wisconsin, no houses on a private yeah. uh, lake, okay? So I said, all right, let's have – Five meet us at noon and we'll fish till dark and we should get we, we're going to catch a bunch of walleyes we didn't care what he caught okay as long as he caught something so uh we get there at eight in the morning and i do some pre-fishing and you can't take your own boats in there they had these old wooden guide boats from the 1930s you know what i'm talking about a wooden guide boat that uh, sits three people very uncomfortably. So uh, two o'clock rolls around, fire's not there. <laughs> so we get a call from his agent, and he said he's not going to get here until three, and he's got to fly back at five o'clock to Green <laughs> Bay. And I said, good, that's going to give us two hours to film this this episode with Brett Favre. Well, he finally gets there. And we get out in this boat. I'm not a small guy. I'm 220 pounds. Favre's 220. And then there's this uh, heavy set guy in the back who paid money to be with us. And I got my cameraman on a pontoon boat following us, right? So we get to the spot. And that morning I had caught, you know, 15 tiny walleyes, you know, 12 inches. I thought this will be cool. We'll get them some fish and get out of here. We got them on the show. So we get out in the boat. Cameraman sets up on the pontoon boat. We're about 30 feet away in this old rickety guide boat that looks like it's about to sink. And I hand Favre a spinning rod. 
and he's holding it upside down. Oh boy! <laughs> and uh, this is on this is on YouTube too, by the way. It's actually kind of fun. So I hand fire the reel, and again he's holding it upside down. And he said, "I've never used one of these before. Down in Mississippi, we use cane poles." And I said, well, I'll show you how to cast. I said, okay, so you open the bale, whatever. His first cast with a jig and leech hits our cameraman on the pontoon boat. <laughs> and Fire says, oh, I just hit cameraman Tim. So he reels in and reels in and, and uh, takes his second cast, same thing. And somebody on the pontoon boat gets up and puts the jig and leech back in the water. And halfway through, a muskie hits this jig and <laughs> And he reels this thing in. And I was just like, you know, you could hardly stand in this boat because it was so wobbly. I hooked a fish for him. And Favre goes nuts. He was so excited that he caught this muskie. And I, I'm holding it up. And he and he's going to put his hand in the, in the muskie's mouth. <laughs> so is I said, don't do that, man. He says, I said, you can get your hand bit off. Your so to make long story hand, short, you're going to get your billion dollar hand bitten off. Yeah. And so then the fish takes a big jerk and, and goes back in the water. And he says, you weren't going to keep that thing. And I said, no, nah. I said, we let muskies go up here. But I mean, talk about winning the Super Bowl, winning the MVP and going out and catching a muskie. In 15 minutes. Accidentally. That's my fish story. Right, right, right. So I, ironically, today on my feed, I got a, 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 a video about Brett Favre and what a, yeah. just what an assassin he was on the field. And it was like, oh. a, it was like a, just like maybe a 20-minute video I watched just like his whole career. And, and, you know, when he came in from the injured quarterback and then took over and it was just like this reckless guy – who evolved into just this assassin on the field, and he was just an unbelievable football player. Yeah. And what a great guy. I must say that, you know, when we got back to the lodge there, uh, he didn't go out and hang out upstairs with all the people. He came down, brought a bottle of wine down, and sat and drank a bottle of wine with us. Nice. And wanted to see the video through our camera of his fish. Just a, a re really nice young man. And... Uh, but I mean that that clip ended up getting played on Johnny Carson and was uh, shown all around. I, I, again, I still think it's on YouTube. But you know, just think of the odds of that. You know, and people say, "Oh, you guys set that up," and I said, "BS. The whole thing is on tape." Mm. You know, like, like you said so, before, anything can happen, and you never know. But something will happen, and you can't predict it. Yeah, that and, and that was really cool. Great story. Epic. That was a great story. All right. Uh, well, Chris, I think we should wrap up. What do you think? Yeah, John. So where can – like if you go to your website, super uh, well organized. You can just go to the YouTube section and you can watch every you – got them, you've got them cataloged by year. You can go to every episode. It's all online. You're also – you also advertise where you can watch, uh, like you said, on NBC and Roku and Bally uh, uh, Sports and whatnot. So, like any anything you want to mention in terms of access to your media and to your so, shows. Our new shows debut on on YouTube nine o'clock every Saturday morning. Uh, again, we're on the uh, NBC Sports Chicago, Fox or Bally Sports Wisconsin, Bally Sports Minnesota. But you know the TV industry is changing. Uh, most people are watching us now on YouTube or streaming, but uh, 
it, it, those are the places. And um, yeah, you can watch our, I think, Oh, can I say one last thing, you guys? Um, Ryan Erdman, my photographer, has been with me for 18 years. And this guy is the best outdoor photographer I've ever met. Best producer, knows everything about computers, figures out the locators on our boat because I can't. (laughs) And he is an invaluable commodity in our business. Nice. And, uh, uh, Kudos to Ryan. He'll sit, he, he when it's twenty below, he he won't go in an ice shack. He says, "I get too cold when I get warm and I got to come back out." Mm-hmm. He is just a, a yeoman dude, man. When it comes to uh, to film and fishing shows, very cool, very cool. Chris, we know what it's like to have a great team behind us at the Outdoor Journal Radio Podcast Network. It sounds like John, you've got a great. Uh, a valuable team member as well. And, and uh, I, I, you know, briefly met your daughter. I know she's a hustler and, and works hard behind the scenes uh, with your productions too. So it's, it's nice to have a great team behind you. Uh, Absolutely. And, and her job today is to get me hooked up so I can listen to your podcast. Cause I spend a lot of time in the truck and I'm getting sick of listening to the Fox <laughs> news. Channel. If uh, So after we, we turn off, if she needs to contact me, give her my number and um, oh, well. I can help her out. Um, Chris, I'm going to have a little, a couple of parting words. Are, are we good? Sure. Go for it. Okay. So to the listeners, if you are going to the Chicago Muskie Expo, as of right now, I will be there. Uh, come and say hello. I will be in the Red October Bates booth and I will be sitting at a table with an ugly pike easel on it and uh, a smile on my face. So come by, say hi, let us know you watch the show to any sponsors that are going to be at the show or any sponsors that are not going to be at the show. If you have a business in the fishing industry or in the musky industry, talk to us. Not only do we have great packages for every size businesses, but we also have an international TV exposure component because the Outdoor Journal Radio Podcast Network is hosting the Get In There segment on the Fishing Canada TV show, which airs on Global TV every Saturday morning and as well on three times a week on the World Fishing Network in the United States. <sighs> okay, i got to book my flight and some uh, hotels. And uh, John... What an honor it was to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Honored to be on your show, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to all the backlog of podcasts. And uh, you got to go. I am actually going to go take a shower and drive up to Hayward and Ice Fish for two days. So, John, let let us know what you think of the show, if you will, after. Shoot me a text or reach out and and let us know what you think uh, of the shows you listen to. We'd be be keen on uh, on your thoughts and your feedback. Well, you guys are getting well-known here in the States. I know that. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. You're a great guest. Thanks for listening, folks. small-town sheet metal mechanic come to build one of Canada's most iconic fishing lodges? I'm your host, Steve Nidzwicki, and you'll find out about that and a whole lot more on the Outdoor Journal Radio Network's newest podcast, Diaries of a Lodge Owner. But this podcast will be more than that. Every week on Diaries of a Lodge Owner, I'm going to introduce you to a ton of great people, share their stories of our trials, tribulations and inspirations 
learn, and have plenty of laughs along the way. Meanwhile, we're sitting there bobbing along, trying to figure out how to catch a bass. And we both decided one day we were going to be on television doing a fishing show. My hands get sore a little bit when I'm reeling in all those bass in the summertime, but that's might be for more fishing than it was punching. You so confidently you said, hey, Pat, have you ever eaten a drum? Find Diaries of a Lodge owner now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Do you know the name of Canada's one and only specialized pike and muskie shop? It's Izoko, and it's an Esox Angler's Paradise, offering the very best in hand-picked, top-quality gear, from bait casting to fly fishing, and even specialized Scandinavian tackle. Izoko's staff will provide expert advice and top-quality service. But Izoko's more than just a store. It's a community of passionate anglers that make up the Izoko tribe, and they're always ready to share tips and swap stories. So head over to their shop in person or online at izokofishing.com and let Izoko turn those fishing trips into epic stories. No matter what species you love to target, from boot to headlamp, Angling Sports has what you need. Their store is massive, and it's just loaded with equipment and apparel. So if you love to go after those big toothy critters like we do, it's a one-stop shop for all pike and musky tackle. Whether you're looking for trolling rods or casting reels, Angling Sports is always adding the latest and best industry offerings from entry level to higher end. Looking for custom musky baits? They got them. It's worth the drive to London, so check out their amazing store in person or online by visiting anglingsports.ca and net that PB in style. Do you know the name of Canada's one and only specialized pike and muskie shop? It's Izoko, and it's an Esox Angler's Paradise, offering the very best in hand-picked, top-quality gear, from bait casting to fly fishing, and even specialized Scandinavian tackle. Izoko's staff will provide expert advice and top-quality service. But Izoko's more than just a store. It's a community of passionate anglers that make up the Izoko tribe, and they're always ready to share tips and swap stories. So head over to their shop in person or online at izokofishing.com and let Izoko turn those fishing trips into epic stories.